0: Thank you, Pastor David. It's really good to be back with you this morning. As we send this group to the Dominican Republic tomorrow, we're reminded of our mission, of why we're here. We're here to advance the kingdom of God by making disciples of Jesus Christ. And as we do that, we see transformed lives, leaving a godly legacy. As I just uh, get up to speak, I just get some glances of some faces, and I just think about how God has transformed us as being a part of of uh, his... A relationship with him through Christ, getting into God's word and being transformed by it. And then even being around people, people we're growing with. I've really seen that. I see this happening here. Many of us are transforming. And as as a result of that, everyone around us is affected by that. People are are leaving a legacy. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. You know, the legacy of Paul is shown in Second Timothy 4.17. Remember when we went through that series just a few weeks ago in Second Timothy? He says this, in 2 Timothy 4.17, he said, when everyone else deserted him, God stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. That's what Paul was there. So that he could fully proclaim it so that all the Gentiles, Gentiles might fully hear it. That's why we're here as a church, to fully proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ so that Topeka might fully hear it. So let's just translate this personally, this passage, into what it might mean for Fellowship Bible Church. And let me just change some of the words. It says, But the but the Lord stood by us and strengthened us so that through us, The message might be fully fully proclaimed and all of Topeka might hear it. That's what fellowship is all about. Fully proclaiming the gospel so that Topeka might fully hear it. We don't save people. You don't save people. Who saves people? God does. God does through Jesus. But we proclaim his message, his good news. That it's not up to people. It's up to the work of Jesus in the lives of people. And That's what we're all about. So as we go and talk about the state of the church, I want to give you three words that are going to guide us. We're going to celebrate, we're going to dedicate, and we're going to anticipate. All of them have to do with, well, our past. We're going to celebrate the past, and you have that kind of in an annual report that we've handed out. We're going to dedicate ourselves in the present, and we're going to anticipate what God will do f- with and through us in the future. Now, as I say this, this is nothing new. If you trace how how people... Uh, got to a point in their year where they thought about the work of God in them? You know, that's the Old Testament. That's the nation of Israel. They'd have these feasts. They've had these celebrations planned throughout their year. Some were even weekly, like Sabbath, was to pause, celebrate God's work in your life by pausing from your work and then dedicating your life to him and then anticipate what, what he'll do to anyone who's available to him that's what we're going to be talking about. So let's talk about celebration. As we celebrate things, I want to just call your attention to three key values that we have here at Fellowship Bible Church. God, his word, and people. These don't change. They last forever. God will last for eternity. He never, there wasn't a time when he never was. He was always been here And as Isaiah 40 says, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord lasts forever, forever. And people, people last forever. I know this world tries to tell you the lie that you have a, you're born and you die and that's it. But God has formed you. You have a beginning and God was there at your beginning. He formed you even in your mother's womb and you never have an end. You're an eternal being. And so you matter. You're important. You're an eternal being. That's why the most important part of who you are and who I am is our spiritual side of who we are. And so we want to call all people to grow deeper and wider in their walk with God, in their understanding of the word and in their love for others. And that's what we're all about here. We really want to call people to grow deeper in their understanding of God and wider in their love for God. We want to call people into a deeper understanding of the word of God and into a wider application of the word of God so that the word of God is not just something we talk about for one hour a week, but that it would have a wider application. It would change every area of your lives. That's what the word of God is here to do because it's powerful and it's active and alive and it's enlightened by the Holy Spirit who's alive and work and those who believe. And then people, we want everyone to grow deeper in your relationships with others. And we want you to grow wider in your love for others. And so this is a celebration of that. You know, whenever I talk about numbers, I know that there's the question, why do we talk about numbers so much? And I even had the criticism from someone who didn't go to our church that said, you're all about numbers. Fellowship's all about numbers, aren't you? And I said, yes, we're all about numbers. Kind of takes you by surprise, right? Right. Because you count what matters to you. So you better count what matters. You can count a lot of things. If you're concerned about, like, losing your hair, see that? You count because it's important to you. If you're going through adolescence and you've got blemishes, guess what you've done this morning? You count. I've got one there. I've got one there. You know, you, you, you count what matters to you. Just last month when I went uh, with our mountain trip, we took 84 sixth graders and their families out and we climbed a 14er out in Colorado. My van had 14 people in it. We drove out. We stopped at a rest stop. What did I do? How many do, are leaving this van? 14 are leaving this van. Before I put the van into drive, what did I do? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. All right, let's go. Because I didn't want to get to Colorado and leave two in Colby, Kansas. You know, that does not make a great report back to parents. Yeah, pick up your kid in Colby. I forgot about him. Why? Because numbers aren't important to me. We just drive. Whoever's with us goes. No, people matter. You count what's important to you. And people are important. So I'm going to count people. I am because they matter to me because they matter to God. That's the beautiful thing is that behind every number is a name. And every name has a story. I want every person in here to have a story that has Jesus in it. That puts their faith and trust in him. It's walking with him, modeling the character of Christ. Christ. And you know what? My life has been radically changed when my story has been rewritten by Jesus Christ. God's about writing stories in our lives. And everyone in this room is significant to God. God knows you. He loves you. He loved you enough to send his one and only son to live a perfect life that you can't live. Some of you are trying by being here, or giving in the offering or being a really good person. And you realize you don't know how bad you are until you try to be good. You can't save yourself. Only Jesus can save you. And his story, founded in history, through the person and work of Jesus Christ, needs to intersect with yours. And once he's writing your story, it affects all the other stories that come out of your life. People matter to us. So the question is, what are we going to count? Why? What do we count around here? Well, obviously, we kind of have a basis, and it's how many people show up on, on a weekend, that's a number. And it's not a number that we're going to say, boy, we're going to end with that number. It's where we begin. And if you have this annual report, I'd like to have you open up to pages three and four. As soon as you get to page three and four, look up here. Good boy. Some of you are really good. Some of you have been sitting on this. So you had to take it up. Okay, put it right in front of you. And I want you to take a look. These are our numbers. On a typical weekend, we'll have around 2,000 people here. About 1,458 are adults and 542 are students and children. And you know what? Those numbers are just a basis. And if you take a look over the past several years, you'll see a growth pattern in those numbers. Fellowship Bible Church has grown 19% in this last year. Over the past seven years, we've grown consistently around 16% each year. But those aren't numbers where we stop. We also talk about people who've given their lives to Christ. On our Easter service alone, we had 56 people who invited Jesus to save them, forgive them, and redeem their lives. That's an awesome thing to celebrate, isn't it? That's an awesome thing to celebrate, isn't it? Yes, that's right. We've asked people once they met Christ to publicly proclaim the name of Jesus through baptism. Ninety two people over the course of this year publicly professed their faith in Jesus Christ. But that's not where we stop. It's not just what happens on Sunday. Although this is an important environment. It's not the only environment we call you into. We call you into four key environments. Worship your time alone with the Lord in worship because we think you need to worship outside of this place, not just in this place. We also call you to be involved in a small group because I'm better because I have a small group around me who know me and who are growing with me and who I'm growing with. And then we call you to serve in ministry because everyone here has been gifted by the Holy Spirit with a gift to serve and to advance the gospel through your life. And it's when you're in those four environments that you grow I'm just telling you, I, when I, as long as I've been connected to those four environments at the same time, I grow. When I check out of one or two of those environments to be distracted by something else in life, to be more involved in sports or more involved with my kids or more involved somewhere else, I don't grow as much. And there's always options in our lives. But when I dedicate myself to those four environments, I grow. I do. And you do too. So that's why we call you into that. And we track how many people are in these environments. So some of the things we count, like first of all, is our L3 journal. Because that's a picture, and it's not the the total picture, but it's a picture of how many people are reading the Bible away from here. And we gave out 1,827 of the L3 journals. And that at least expresses people with a desire, because it cost you something to get that. I want to get into the word on a daily basis. Now, I'm the pastor of this church, and there have been days over this past year that I did not worship God. And I'm sorry about that, but thankfully you don't know those days and everything. But I, I still, I can miss a day from time to time. It's not that we're, you know, Nazis looking over you saying, you've messed up, you messed up. No, it's the progress. It's the progress. And you know who loses? I lose when I don't meet with God and worship him. And there's a lot of excuses, even some like I'm busy in ministry. People need me. No, I need to be fed every day. And so as a pastor of church, I need everything I'm calling you into. And I'm dedicating myself to everything I'm calling you into. We have 75 small groups, adult small groups aligned with the L3 journal. With adults in them and they're functioning. In addition to this, every time, everything we call an adult into, we call a child and a student into. So there's many more small groups that our children have through the mountain or students have through Reverb. That's another number. How many people are in that third environment? Because you grow when you're in with another group of people where you're learning from the word of God and you are then articulating how you're growing because that builds confidence. When you can talk about what God is doing in your life, when you talk about what you're learning in the word, you grow, you grow. You grow in confidence, you grow in your understanding and the opportunity for you to apply the word of God becomes better because you at least know what God is calling you into. And then ministry, how many of our people are connected into a life-giving ministry inside or outside of our church? Because we don't define that. That's a beautiful thing at fellowship is we don't just define those who are involved inside these walls. We would even say, did you join with one of our ministry partners like Young Life? Or like the High Crest Net Reach Initiative over in the High Crest neighborhood? Or Love Topeka? Or at least a monthly exposure to where you're serving God inside or outside of this church. 701 of us are in that. Now, let me ask you to turn real quick to pages, um, pages 11 and 12. Once you turn to 11 and 12, look back up here. All right. Good. You're, you're following the numbers. I want to show you what's happening outside of fellowship. Because we've had, over this past year, 374 people commit to a ministry outside of fellowship. That's an awesome number. We want to be a blessing to our community. And I'll just confess to you, I've been in ministry a long time, and only recently, within the past five years, have I been more concerned and and had a growing concern for what's happening outside of this church. And I really feel bad about that, because now that we're engaged outside, I've really seen all those years we kind of missed it. So many churches are just focused on what's happening inside the walls of themselves. They don't have a heart for their city or their nation or the other nations of the world. And we're called to be witnesses in Topeka and in Kansas and the U.S. and to the ends of the earth. Proof text, Acts 1.8. That's that whole picture. We're called to do that. Look at... Even tracing where our resources have gone. And look at how much we've grown in this past year. Look at what God has provided for us. Uh, About 11 years ago, we gave $7,500 outside of our church. Look at this year. This past ministry year, we gave almost $475,000 outside of this church. Wasn't connected to anyone within this church, all connected outside of this church in our community and around the world. Locally, 374 people have been engaged in that. But you know what? Globally, 106 people have been sent out on a short-term missions trip as a result of what God is doing here at Fellowship. These are really good numbers to celebrate. But all the time, again, we paid off our building note in the process of giving away almost a half a million dollars outside of our church. That is a blessing. That is a blessing. We want to be a blessing to our city and our world, advancing the kingdom of God by making disciples of Jesus Christ. I just think it's time to pause right now. And we're going to sing... And I'm not going to lead you. I've asked Bill to come up and lead you because he has a better voice than I do. He's going to sing a song called, and I want you to stand and join with me. This song is called 10,000 Reasons. And as you're singing this song, this is the fourth time I sing it. If God calls recalls something that he's blessed you in this year, thank him for that. If there's someone here who you, you just thank the Lord for while you're doing that or a ministry of what God has done here or as a result of your thank him for that as we sing this song bill would you lead us
1: bless the lord oh my soul oh my soul worship his holy name sing like Your holy name The sun comes up It's a new day dawning It's time to sing your song again Whatever may pass And whatever lies before Soul, oh, my soul, worship his soul. i worship your hope go ahead and have a seat,
0: please. As we sang that line on, on that day when my strength is failing, I remember to just the events of this week, I uh, heard a week ago that my 98 year old grandmother had passed. And uh, I was on vacation in northern Wisconsin. I got my family back here. and then on Thursday morning, I hopped on a plane around eight o'clock at KCI. Flew to Milwaukee, made it there. I was in charge of the service and I made it there 30 minutes before the service. We did this service, hopped on a plane and came back. I was back by seven in the evening. It was a crazy day, but it was such an awesome day because my grandmother was full of faith, hope and love. And just two days before she passed, she was alert and coherent and alive and adventurous and active. She's been like that. I remember the 68th birthday when my grandpa bought her a skateboard and a slip and slide. (laughs) And she would go and practice that skateboard at night so the neighbors wouldn't have think she's losing it. And she had me over, and she gave me raspberries. She always had a raspberry patch. Those were Joe's raspberries, and I love raspberries. So we slipped and slide, and I remember that. I woke up the next day as a 13-year-old. My stomach was killing me because I was landing on my stomach, and she said, hey, Joey, are you coming back today? And I said, No, Grandma, I'm too in too much pain. She was very alive and active. And up to two days before she died, I mean, God just gave her a rich, rich life. We expected around 30 or 40 people to come because... Because she she outlived her friends. And over 300 people showed up. And uh, I was able to speak and just share God's faithfulness to my grandmother. And we just celebrated. We didn't mourn. And I told everyone, you know what? She is not wanting to be back here right now. She's with the Lord. And for the past 30 years of her life, she was preparing to meet him. You know what? You don't even have tomorrow guaranteed. We're all preparing to meet the Lord, right? And so I think it's important for us now to think about what do we dedicate our lives to right now. In every celebration of Israel, they dedicated their lives to something. Paul dedicated his life to, to as Ephesians 3, 9, and 10 says, to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that through the church... The manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authority even in the heavenly places. That's a that's a mind-blowing passage, isn't it? That what's happening here on earth would actually reach the front headlines of heaven and hell because of what God is doing through his church, which he's unfolding the manifold wisdom of who he is. Folks, you and I are part of that generation that God looks to, to advance the gospel in our lifetimes. And whether God gives us 10 years or 15 years or 98 years to do it, we're called to do it. And so we are a church then that needs to be focused on dedicating our lives, first of all, to conviction that it's about Jesus and it's going to stay about Jesus and it's going to continue to be about Jesus and our future is all about Jesus. We need conviction. As a matter of fact, as as the um, major movements of God, not only in our generations, but in previous generations, everyone had a conviction that it was all about God. You know what? I've seen this in the church in America, where the church in America steps away from a conviction of Jesus Christ guess what happens? They cease to have a purpose and purposeless churches die. That's what's happening in America. The average age of churches in America is in the 60s and 70s age. You know, our average age here is 28. We're a young church. And we're not afraid to say that Jesus really is the only way. He's the only one who can save us. And so we commit our lives to Him. We trust in His work. We stop trying to do it on our own and we start trusting in Christ. We stop trying to do things that might impress God and we start trusting in the only one who's already done it for us, Jesus Christ. We have a conviction, a faith in Christ. Secondly, movements of God have been, have been fostered because God used people of character, people who followed Jesus. Now, none of us are going to be perfect. But we're all called into modeling the truth and the love of Jesus. He's fully balanced in those two things. So we're not afraid to speak the truth and we're not afraid to love people. That's the character of Jesus that we're all called into. We're all called to model that. We're also caused it, ca- called into the cause of advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ in our generation That means more people will hear about Jesus as a result of my life and your life. We're called into that cause. It's not just about what happens in this room. It's about what's happening out there. This room is important because we can all grab a vision. And anything I call you to publicly, I'm also going to call you to a personal commitment to. To join the cause. Whatever that will look like. And then there's a connection. Aligning with your church. And that's why we call people to a family relationship. This is a body, a family to be a part of. Now, you can have a conviction. You can have the character and you can have the cause and you can be a lone ranger. But that's not biblical. Everything I see in the, in the Bible is that plan A is the church. Plan B, there is no plan B. And so we're called in to align with it. Now, this church is not perfect. Okay? In case you haven't realized that yet. It's not perfect because I'm here. I'm not a perfect person. And you're not here. I mean, you're here. I mean, that's the problem. That's the problem. You have issues and I have issues. That makes us less than perfect. If someone says, oh, you know, Christians are all hypocrites. In a sense, we all are because we're not perfect. But we're following someone who is perfect. So you can leave this church, but you will still have you. And instead of looking for the problem around you, a lot of us just need to look at the mirror. Because that's the issue. We're all far from perfect. But we have to align with, at least there needs to come a point when we as men need to man up or woman up and take responsibility and commit. Some of you have just been watching things happen here. and, And your connection is very loose. Get connected. You may be in only one of those environments and you're not growing. It would be hard for me to grow in just one of those environments. Get engaged. We're always going to call you into that. So my question is, is this a place where the gospel is offered to everyone by grace alone and Christ alone through faith alone? Secondly, is this a place where you're shown the character of Christ and you're called to follow him? Thirdly, is this a place where you're called to lovingly advance the cause of the gospel from your life to another's life? Not to let the gospel dead end in you, but to let it flow through you into someone else. And then is this a place where you're invited into a family, a life-giving connection that you'll align to with God, his word and people? Folks, we are the generation to advance the kingdom of God. We are that generation. God's not waiting if you're in high school for you to finish high school before he can use you. God's not waiting for you to get your degree if you're in college. God's not waiting you to marry some someone before you can be successful in advancing the kingdom. God's not waiting to give you kids before he'll use you. God's not waiting for your kids to leave and to leave again if they've come back after they've left. No, now is the time. We are that generation. I got into the ministry and I left the business world because I wanted to be a part of a major awakening in the United States. And I thought God could use me. I didn't know how. I mean, it's weird how he used me and now how he's using me. But I want to be a part of a major awakening, which moves us now into anticipation. But our elders are all about what God might do in the future. We're constantly praying about what God might do in the future for us. And we've been praying 18,000 people in the Topeka area to be awakened to God. Now, I know a lot of Christians talk about we need revival. I'm here saying we need just revival. OK, we need revival here because we need dead people who are dead to Jesus to come alive to Jesus and live for Jesus. That's what we need. So I'm not about stealing people from other churches that are preaching the gospel because we have a better children's program or whatever else. I'm here for revival, okay? And I believe that about 18,000 people go to church on a regular basis in Topeka. And that's about 10% of 180,000 people who are here. You go, oh, I know of a lot more. Yeah, they're creasters. They go on Christmas and they go on Easter. That's not a life-giving connection to a church. So... I'd like to double that. I'd like to be a part of a generation. And it's not just Fellowship Bible Church. This is all churches in Topeka who proclaim the gospel, call people into the character and the cause of Jesus Christ and connect them to this. It's not just fellowship, but I want to be a part of it. And I want to be a part of it with you. And so our elders have talked about 18,000 people and we've shared the vision of you and two. That means everyone here needs to have two people who don't know Jesus. If you have two people who don't know Jesus, you're going to pray for them and you're going to share Jesus with them. And if they say, I don't want Jesus, you're going to still love them. You're not going to reject them, treat them as a project and, you know, move on. No, you love people. People who believe like you and people who don't believe like you. But you're going to live the gospel to them. You're going to give the gospel to them. We built this church on that whole whole value of you and two. I remember when we poured the foundation of this church, we were about 400 people meeting on a weekend. And I took my two names and when that cement was wet, we had a party here and we prayed and we wrote our the names of the two people in wet cement. And then we built a building on it. And after we moved in here, within seven months of us building this building, we went from 400 to 1,200. In seven months. And in two years, one of my two guys came to Christ. And one of my two guys is here. Worshiping with me. Praising Jesus with me. You know what? I've never been a part of something greater than that. And if you've been a part of it, our elders just reflected on some of those names. And you're here. Some of you are here. You and two worked. And then we continued to grow and we had a lot of building debt when we were continuing to grow. So we didn't know what to do. we prayed about it and we developed a long range planning team and the deacons put their minds together and they talked to other churches here and around the country. And how do you do this? and We talked about planting other churches and we talked about merging with other churches and we talked about building. and We talked about different venues that we could do. We came down to the best idea for us is to double the size of be able to double the size of our church without growing. And that means worship on Saturday evening. And so we have two services on Saturday evening, 5 and 6.30, and then two on Sunday. That has allowed us to grow. Just three years ago, when we made that decision, I remember the month of July was that month we had all the desserts here, and and Dan and Kathy Gunther made all those desserts and made them all ready for us, and we had dessert and we shared the vision. And forty percent of you, and you're not here now because you were at you should be at Saturday night, committed to Saturday night so that we could continue to grow. You know, we were about a thousand ninety-one people that that weekend three years ago in July. And that same weekend this year was over 1,700 people. Every time our elders said, we need an open chair. We need open chairs for more people that we can invite our friends to to experience and to have what we have here. Every time we've done that, God has honored that. And so the question is, what do we do now? Because we're calling people into a deeper and wider love for God, his word and others. Our growth here this past year was 19%. Over the past seven years, or 16%. If this 16% pattern continues to grow, we will grow in the next three years by 1,000 people. What do we do? Because our value is to continue to make room for others. So elders put our minds back together in early spring. We prayed, we discussed, we waited on the Lord, we waited for consensus. And when we got consensus together, we decided we need to build again. And so that's what we've decided to do. We're going to build a larger church facility. And again, it's not going to be about a building. It's always going to be about others. Now, that's really, really key to us. So how are we going? How do we want to do this? Number one, we want to pray. And I'm going to invite you to pray daily for your church, however you can be reminded to pray for your church and the leadership in your church and what God wants to do in our church. Take a sticky note, put it on your dashboard of your car. Have set your alarm for one consistent time each day where it's easy for you to pray, just to, maybe even a sentence or a paragraph prayer for, for your church. And as your alarm goes off, pray. Have something that will remind you to pray daily for your church. Throughout the month of August, we're going to be having prayer gatherings that we can share vision with you of maybe what this might look like and how we're going to do this. And we're going to invite you to those. Be open to pray as a family together as we announce those dates in August. We're also going to need you to sacrifice. I will never call you to do something I'm not willing to do myself. And so we're all going to have to sacrifice. And those who are part of this past, uh, the, the building of this church, folks, there is no better investment in what I've given to the Lord than what God has done here through that. And that sacrifice, I look back on that. I grew so much. It was a sacrifice I will do again. And I'll call you into that. But we're not going to use pressure. I'm not going to show up at your house dressed in a black suit looking for a commitment. We're not going to lock the doors until everyone gives enough. No, we're going to have fun in this. And it's going to be exciting. And you're going to be invited into an adventure with God and with your church family to advance the gospel in your generation. I believe this is the generation God has raised up and I want to be a part of it. If you're over 60 years of age, you are part of this generation. There is no greater place for you to be to advance the kingdom of God and to make room for others. We're going to facilitate a new building in the beginning, in early September to the middle point of October. We're going to be talking about this through a series that I've entitled Deep and Wide. So that we all grow deeper in our walk with Christ and wider in our love for him and others. It's going to be a positive thing. You're going to have a daily devotional to do that. We're going to be discussing it in our small groups together. And then the middle point of October, we're going to make a commitment. We're all going to make a commitment. And it's important to me that everybody, everybody sacrifices for this. Because that's how it's. it's only only way it's going to happen is if all of us do this. So I say this to you just to be upfront and open this is a church where the gospel is, is, is explained and proclaimed, this is a church that is calling people to the character of Christ, to the cause of Christ, and to the connection of a local family, then you need to take responsibility with it. But having said this, it's not going to just be about us. Because 10% of every dollar given to a new building is going to build churches outside of Fellowship Bible Church. 10% of everything we give we're going to build other churches so that we're building up the church Outside of fellowship as we're building the church of fellowship So here's what it might look like Let's say that we get started and about three months into it We've got a hole somewhere on our property that we're building the foundation for this We've got our U and two we show up and we write our names in wet cement and then we hear the story of we are able to open a church in ethiopia today and they don't need as much. For $100,000, you can build a church in Ethiopia right now that will house 1,000 people for a service. And it doesn't look like our church does, doesn't have air conditioning because they don't need it. They're 6,000 feet above sea level. You just need to build a shade structure with electricity and bathrooms. For $100,000, we could reach another 1,000 people. And, f- and it can be built not in the amount of time that, a, that a, a, a building here in the United States takes. It takes six months to build that building. So they build it. And within six months, when we don't even have a brick laid yet, we can hear about another church that's being opened in Ethiopia, where the church is growing. We hear about a church in the Philippines another nine months later that's opened. And as we start to see something take shape here, we hear about a church that's opened in the Philippines. And more people are hearing about Jesus because of this. Folks, we have to keep this from being a distraction. And I think if we just built a building, we'd be kind of impressed with, look at how big it is, and look at how awesome it is, and look at how beautiful it is. Folks, buildings can't be more beautiful than people. And we have to be a church that's constantly reminded. And so this is how we're going to do it. So that it's not just about us. We want to pass the blessing of, of making more room for people, not just to us, but through us, to other churches. And I'm going to need you to celebrate with me of what God's going to be doing along the way. So I think, even if you're visiting this morning, this is the first time you're here, you've come at a great time in our church history to be as part of something far greater than yourself. That hopefully, our legacy will echo in future generations as a result of us being a part of it. There's going to be people we meet who we grow with and there's people who will never meet who will grow deeper and wider because we started a church someplace else in a country of people we've never met. But it's all the work of God advancing his kingdom by making disciples of Jesus Christ. Folks, let's pray and commit our church. I'm going to need you for this next step. So would you pray and let's just dedicate our lives to the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you for each person you brought here. You've shown us who we're following and that's you. You've shown us where to head through our leadership. And I thank you for our leaders and the opportunity that it is to serve with them and to be sharpened by them. I pray that you would bless these plans that you have shown us. Lord, I pray for every person that will be affected by this. For our lives, for the lives of our friends, for the lives of the nations. And we ask for your blessing to, to love your church and advance your church here and around the world. To the glory of the name of Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. It's in his name I pray. Amen.